name is Alexandra Perry, and you are listening to Investing After Hours, a Wealth Daily podcast. Joining me today is Andy Marsh, the President and CEO of Plug Power, and our resident energy analyst, Meg Daly. Um, We are going to kind of have a conversation about energy today that Andy and Meg have started, and I'm going to let you get started with the questions. Alrighty, well, uh, energy and capital has been talking about hydrogen fuel cells for a few years now. We are digging a little bit deeper into the subject, and we're happy to have Andy on with us today to uh, give us a little bit more insight. Uh, recently, the public's interest in hydrogen fuel cell power has picked up for a few key reasons, and I would love to get your take, Andy, on these reasons. Um, but first, if you could tell us a little bit more about your time at Plug Power. Uh, for our listeners who are unfamiliar with your company, what exactly does Plug Power do? Um, what what do you produce? What do you what do you offer in customers? So thank you for having me today. And Plug Power, or just to give everyone a geographical location, we're located in upstate New York in Latham. And the company develops uh, solutions for electric vehicles. And our solutions are fuel cell based. And we are the market leaders in actually providing fuel cells for forklift trucks. And not only do we provide fuel cells for forklift trucks today, but also build the hydrogen infrastructure and provide the aftermarket service to our customers. So it'd be really simple. If you go into our two largest customers are Walmart and Amazon, if you went into an Amazon distribution center, you'd see maybe hundreds of forklift trucks running around. And in those forklift trucks, instead of a traditional lead-acid batteries, uh, companies like Walmart and Amazon install fuel cells. And these fuel cells run from hydrogen. And the reason they do it is not just to be uh, energy, uh, you know, not just because of clean energy, but also because it saves them money. By going to fuel cells, their, their forklift trucks operate at constant speed, constant performance. They have a longer run time than batteries. And uh, their power of the unit as the shift goes on remains constant because they're much more like a car engine. So between the fuel cells and the hydrogen infrastructure, Plug is the leader in putting industrial products out in the field. We have over 17,000 units running forklift trucks a day. We've built over 60 hydrogen stations. We've dispensed over 8.5 million tons of fuel, and we continue to grow and expand this business. Can you tell us, you were, you were appointed CEO in 2008 after your company Valair Power was acquired by LTEC. What made you want to switch gears and work with a company that's focused on hydrogen fuel cell? Well, uh, I come from, you know, my background is in the power industry. I worked, uh, before Valier, I worked for AT&T and Power Electronics for, you know, over 18 years. And Valier, I was there for eight years, a company that I co-founded and that, uh, and was CEO. And when I looked at where I viewed that the future uh, energy markets were heading. You know, when you start thinking about the value of electric vehicles, uh, you start thinking about the va- value of batteries and the value of fuel cells. And the value of fuel cells, uh, you know, we're focused on electric vehicles, but there is a great deal of value in other applications. And, you know, I looked at it and 
I was involved in wireless in 1982 before most people knew what wireless was. I was involved in broadband in 1988, 1989, way before people knew what broadband was. And you know, I think back in 2008, I looked at fuel cells and said, I think there's a future here, and I think it's beginning to play out. It, it really does seem like it. Um, maybe these two questions can kind of be answered together here, but in your time at the company, has the company changed much, and has the market you've been in changed much? Sure. The company, the reason I was hired had to do with the fact that the company was an R&D company. And, you know, it was not a market-driven company and not market-focused. And I was brought in by the board of directors, uh, a little bit backwards, actually, to, you know, to take a technology and to find if there was a market for the technology. And, you know, the company had, you know, actually three different types of fuel cells that uh, we were experimenting with. Uh, we were probably experimenting with seven or eight different types of markets. And the main, my main mission and the mission of my management team and of my employees was to focus the company, to build a real market, and to ship real products. So the first year I was here, we probably shipped 20, 25 units and this year we'll ship over 5,600 units. Wow. So it's a dramatically different company. So Andy, I'm not as familiar with both your market and your company, but um, I know when we kind of reached out and we got in touch, I was learning a lot about this expansion that you just mentioned. I know earlier this year you got some exciting announcements about your business ventures. In February, you launched a fleet of hydrogen fuel cell trucks for USPS right here in Maryland. And I was wondering if you could tell us about how that project came to be, and are you planning to expand your business with USPS in the future? Well, it's... Uh you know, like many deals, it was not one that occurred overnight because the plug power actually created this market for fuel cells in forklift trucks. People weren't doing that before plug power. And, you know, USPS, like many companies, uh, views the world as, I don't know about this technology, and it probably took us a year and a year and a half to educate USPS to let them see actual units in operation, and you know, we've successfully deployed the units at USPS. I actually got a report yesterday that uh, they're quite pleased with the performance, and we've had discussions with USPS about uh, potential expansions way beyond Maryland. And, you know, that, that roadmap with USPS isn't really significantly different than a roadmap with people like Walmart and Amazon. I mean, I started with Walmart with 10 units, and today I have 6,000 units. With Amazon, uh, you know, I did my first deployment with them back in the third quarter of last year, and you know, a couple hundred units, and today I have well over 2,000 units with Amazon. So you mentioned, I, I'm gonna bring um, you back to the partnerships with Walmart and Amazon, because I'm really interested in those, but you mentioned that obviously these deals don't happen overnight. Um, the partnerships, you know, take a while to form and kind of educate. Um, that's something that interests me because I tend to work with a lot of emerging technologies. So is there steps that you take as a company to kind of reach out to possible partners and be like, this is a technology 
um, and you know, explain not only what you guys are trying to do, but also how you can better their business. Yeah, I think that's a real important. I, having been in the startup world and you know, emerging businesses and companies almost my entire career, I think a critical element is taking a step back and understanding why a technology would bring value to a customer. You know, how does the customer, you know, run their operations more efficient? Uh, what benefit does it provide their customers? And when we look at uh, our business, um, I think we start out by looking about, uh, you know, what is the value proposition? And before we even had products, uh, we could at least enunciate what value we could bring customers. And probably during my first year of plug, I spent most of the year on the road just talking to potential users of this equipment and potentially others because I was trying to figure out what the right market would be. And and I, I went through the same path of Valier where the key is really to start having those discussions with customers that you believe that you could offer value and to, you know, essentially start that process of understanding the back and forth. And then I think you have to move into uh, understanding the potential market size, understanding if it's worth the investment, and uh, understanding whether these are markets worth, whatever market you're in, worth pursuing. And uh, it probably took us a year to get to that point. And once we did, we, we then, I, and I think this is important, we then committed to it. And we understood that, uh, you know, the customers we've identified, and in our case, the channels are uh, direct channels, but uh, because of the value where we thought the products would bring value was with, at that time, large customers who ran large manufacturing and distribution centers. Um, you know, you have to, you know, develop the right channels to them, the right relationships with them. Uh, you know, we, we engage with many of these folks way before we even had products and to help us help us develop the business model to make sure it was made sense to them and that we could build a product and offering that uh, could make an make our customers' operations more efficient, because that's really what we sell. Well, obviously, these big companies have decided that you are offering them something valuable, but you did just have these very recent um, partnerships with Walmart and Amazon, and I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about those partnerships, as well as what you are supplying for those companies and how you expect those partnerships to evolve as time goes on. So let me start with Walmart first. The partnership with Walmart uh, actually started uh, way back, even before I joined the company, there were talks with Walmart. And uh, with Walmart, uh, you know, we've, we've gone through the experimental stage to the you know, full production and cutover stage, where with Walmart, uh, you know, they tested our first 10 units. Uh, when we just had one product. And, you know, as I mentioned, the products that they buy are the fuel cells that go into forklift trucks, the hydrogen stations, and the aftermarket service. Uh, 
And those first 10 units and one product with Walmart has grown into 6,500 units. It's grown into 30 to 30, 30 plus distribution centers. Uh, it's grown into a plan by Walmart to continue to deploy, you know, 10 sites per year, and uh, you know, which represents about 2,500 additional units every year. And uh, you know, the agreement with Walmart was a commitment to continue the ongoing relationship that we have with Walmart and to expand it over the coming years. Uh, with Amazon, uh, the deal is for, you know, you know, this year we'll we'll ship product we'll ship products and services valued over seventy million dollars to Amazon that uh, we're going into uh, their distribution centers. You know, so you know you have here now the number one retailer in the world and the number one internet retailer in the world, recognizing that fuel cells can help them deliver products more efficiently and faster to customers. And uh, but it doesn't really stop there because with both companies, we have uh, technology uh, agreements to uh, to look at other applications where fuel cells could make sense. And we believe that there's applications like drones and robots and delivery vans and uh, which you know all applications where fuel cells have distinct advantage because of how long they can run, uh, how light fuel cells are. And, uh, you know, we think, you know, in those applications that uh, fuel cells can have a great deal of value and people like Walmart and Amazon are end users of much of the equipment that uh, we hope to install fuel cell engines into in the future. So I hear that there could be a possible partnership with Amazon that could possibly end in the company owning a portion of Plug Power. Could you tell me a little bit more about that offer? And well, I guess if first if it's true and how it will benefit your company and your company's long-term growth plan. Sure. Both uh, Amazon and both Amazon and Walmart have uh, warrant positions with uh, Plug Power. So uh, every time they uh, by units, they uh, they acquire the opportunity to purchase warrants. So nothing's better than to have your two largest customers as shareholders in your company. It's also good companies to have your name associated with, to, especially companies that move so much um, content. I can't even imagine how much Amazon moves a day in content across the United Probably. States. Yeah, and and uh, I. You know, I would not, uh, uh, if you think about Walmart, for example, you know, they're moving, uh, and you may not think about this a lot, but the number one food retailer in the world is Walmart. And, uh, you know, you have facilities which uh, are moving food constantly, which are running with fuel cells and forklift trucks. And, uh, you know, being in food distribution is... uh, you know, is uh, move move more goods and hard goods, and uh, we're doing it every day in environments uh, that we operate in ice cream freezers and 
we operate at you know minus 30 degrees and freezers and we drive outside in the 40 degrees C open air and and uh, you know the products are rugged and robust and work in all sorts of harsh environments. So here's another this question actually kind of goes back to um, when I was talking about marketing and forming these partnerships because obviously to any company that's applying a critical um, technology or tool to larger companies um, you really do have to think about communicating and making connections and forming partnerships, but um, I was wondering if you had any big challenges when marketing your technology to massive <laughs> buyers. Do, do some people just not sure. see the, the benefits here? Sure, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that for emerging technologies, at lar- you have to find the right advocates, uh, and I say the right advocates, I mean people with position, you know, with with positional power within companies that uh, are are willing to uh, be advocates, and you know, quite honestly, are willing to take risks because uh, if you're the, if you're cutting over the first distribution center that ever ran fuel cells, that's a pretty big risk, and you need to engage with uh, folks who. Uh, are insightful, who understand the risk rewards, and uh, you know they're you know they're they're often hard to find. And uh, you know, one of the key elements of our sales team is really to find the right people at the right co- companies at the right time who are willing to uh, make those decisions. Obviously, as we put more and more units in the field the risk profile becomes much, much less. Uh, and people are willing to take uh, per, take uh, take advantage of uh, the technology, recognizing, you know, quite honestly, if Walmart, Amazon, BMW does it, uh, then it must be good. And that, I think, is, uh, I think, really critical to those early marketing stages. And I think when you're working with companies like like uh, Walmart, Amazon, or any company that you're trying to deploy new technology, I think it's important not to oversell. I think that uh, be frank with customers about the opportunities and the challenges and, and make sure you're committed to delivering what you say. And uh, there'll be lots of painful days on the way. And... Uh, you have to be willing to roll up your sleeve and also change change your views on certain areas. Uh, I didn't initially want to be in the hydrogen infrastructure business and building it, but it became clear to plug that uh, for us to effectively meet customers' needs that uh, we had to become more vertically integrated. So you got to listen. You have to be honest. You have to you have to create value. That's perfect. That actually leads me perfectly into my um, next bunch of questions, which actually will focus more on industry growth um, and how you guys have kind of grown to address those issues. And I'm going to turn the the questions back over to Meg. She has more experience with this than myself, and hopefully she can answer some questions that really get down into the um, nitty gritty of hydrogen fuel cells. 
yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it seems like you really have been building this industry up from the bottom with Plug Power. Um, I was wondering, given the developments that you've seen in your time with the company, where do you think the market is going in the next few years? I mean, obviously, you're, you're seeing some good things or you wouldn't still be here, but uh, where, where do you think we'll be in maybe like five to ten years from now? Do you think hydrogen fuel cells will be much bigger than they are? First, I think we have to talk about a, uh, a basic premise. And, you know, I have a basic premise, and I think it's not uh, all that novel, that... Uh, electric vehicles will replace internal combustion engines over the next 20 to 30 years. And it's happening now in certain regions. But if you, uh, you know, there is a much broader commitment by large companies. So there's a group that's uh, been in place uh, that was formed in Davos this year where uh, Plug is a uh, is an associate member and you know, companies like uh, Air Liquide and Toyota and Honda and Shell Oil, and uh, you know they they fundamentally believe that uh, 19% of energy by the year 2050 will be provided by hydrogen, and that hydrogen fuel cells and hydrogen will be a, a four trillion dollar industry, and that uh, you know over the next 10 to 12 years. Uh, that uh, industry will uh, grow to three, four hundred billion dollars. So, and the and the areas that uh, they believe fuel cells will be successful are, you know, if you look at, you know, where do fuel cells, where would I use a lithium battery car, for example, and where would I use a fuel cell vehicle, and. Uh, now, the advantages of fuel cells are range and fast fueling times. So, you know, it's a fuel cell vehicle uh, can operate for 1,000 kilometers. It's based on tank size. Uh, you know, it's, you know, the range of fuel cells are always going to be uh, much longer, much longer than batteries. And a good deal do, does, has to do with the fact that you know the, uh, the you know the energy uh, that can be uh, generated in a fuel cell versus weight uh, is about 20 times more than batteries. Uh, I think another area where fuel cells have unique advantages is the fact that uh, you know there's certain applications that you know when they when people look at the world, you know when you start thinking about uh, you know. And with us, it's forklift trucks. But when you start thinking about buses, and there is big pushes in buses, and China and Shanghai alone is looking to have 3,000 fuel cell buses on the road by 2020. Um, you know, mini buses, uh, trams and railways, fuel cells have unique advantages. And you know, when you look at the roadmaps of people like Toyota, now they'll they'll talk about how battery electric vehicles, you know, you're operating at 100 miles a day, using the car 4% of the time, you know, batteries are the right solutions. But in a future shared economy, where vehicles may be on the road 18 hours a day, continuously running, fuel cells are a better answer because of the fast fueling, 
and the lower cost infrastructure associated with it. And as I mentioned before, if you run a lot like buses or, or vans around airports or you know, tr trucks for long haul or even trams and railways where you're able to uh, eliminate a great deal of the electrical infrastructure, uh, the best solution is fuel cells. And, you know, and this isn't really uh, my opinion. It's, you know, the opinion of 15 or 16 of some of the largest companies in the world. And, uh, you know, people like McKinsey who, you know, have been looking at this issue. So I, I, think, uh, I think that's the place for, you know, there's a huge opportunity for fuel cells and hydrogen in the future. And, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like I'm in a broadband 1998-1999. Uh, some of your younger listeners may not remember the, the world then, but, uh, you know, broadband was just coming. And it really wasn't until 2003, 2004 that it really became ubiquitous. And we're about to hit that point with EVs over the next four or five years. And fuel cells will be a player. You're obviously aware that you know EVs are the popular thing right now, but you seem to believe hydrogen fuel cells will perhaps win out in the end. Um, what kind of developments do you think we need to see before hydrogen fuel cells become more ubiquitous? So, so I guess I, you know, let, let me be clear. I, I think there's a place for both technologies. And I think that fuel, battery electric vehicles make the most sense if you're not running them, if the, if the range and operation of the vehicles Four or five percent of the time, and if the and if uh, you know you're not uh, you're not using the car that often, uh, batteries are a real great solution and will be a great solution. You know we're not you know, like like all the large auto companies, we don't believe there's one solution that fits all. You know fuel cells uh, over the coming ten years. Uh, need to continue to decline in cost. Uh, there needs to be more hydrogen fueling stations deployed. And if you look by over the next, you know, just to give you a feel, over the next 10 years, there'll probably be close to 5,000 hydrogen fueling stations around the world. A good deal in places like China and Japan, Germany, California, the Northeast. Uh, there are aggressive plans in place to make hydrogen readily available, and hydrogen fueling stations and hydrogen fuel are really critical for the long-term success of hydrogen fuel cells. And is uh, Plug Power making any plans to be any specific plans to be a part of that expansion worldwide? Sure. I mean, I think that uh, one, we know more about hydrogen. We've done more hydrogen fuelings than anyone else in the world. And people are coming to us and talking to us about, for example, how we can help them build their hydrogen fueling stations, as well as think through how to generate hydrogen. I think the second area is, uh, you know, we, we, we build and have more experience building fuel cell engines, uh, especially for industrial vehicles, which is our target than anyone else in the world. I mean, we have uh, 
test vehicles on the road in China. I have a FedEx fan running in my back yard here, a plug on fuel cells. And so there is a real, uh, real commitment for us to become a large engine provider to industrial vehicles across a wide range of vehicles, from from drones to trucks to vans to city buses to uh, to uh, and of course forklift trucks. Well, we can't wait to see what kind of developments come from that. So I think Allie might have one more question for you. So I love to close the podcast on this note and. Um, I know that you're somewhat familiar with our newsletters and our websites, but we have a lot of people that are just learning about these industries, um, particularly energy, and um, I'm sure there are many investors who are still just learning about hydrogen fuel cells, like myself. So I was wondering if you have any recommendations on how they can continue to learn more about that industry. Great. Good question. One, uh, you know, I would uh, Google the Hydrogen Council. And uh, on the Hydrogen Council uh, webpage is a great deal of information about uh, the fuel cell industry in general. Uh, I also, uh, you know, also believe if you go to the Department of Energy, which has done a great deal of very positive work, to their website, they have a section on hydrogen, and I think you can learn a lot about fuel cells. So I think there are two great places and resources to understand the industry. Thank you so much, Andy. For everyone listening, I'm going to make sure to include a link to Plug Power's website. Um, And Andy, if you want to supply any other additional resources on projects that you guys are working on, I will provide links to those as well. Um, Obviously, the purpose of these podcasts is to be educational and to provide investors with insights into both emerging sectors, companies that are pioneering those efforts, And um, today we definitely had a really good look at a company that's definitely out there with the hydrogen fuel cell scene. So, Andy, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Well, thank you, everyone. (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Um, Investors, you can catch us next week. Okay, everyone, have a good night.